Three-pointers and defense and the Kings bench. Oh, my. The Sacramento Kings get back on track routing the Memphis Grizzlies. They are one of three teams to beat the Memphis Grizzlies twice this season. And we're going to break down this crazy game from start to finish right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long. Today presented by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC10. And boy, was this game a steep climb, steep drop off and then an ascension into the heavens for the Sacramento Kings. There's only one way to break this Kings game down, and it's chronologically. I cannot jump around. I really have to go start to finish with this game because there are so many moments, so many things, so many parts of this game that I could spend a whole podcast on alone, starting with the barrage of three-pointers that the Sacramento Kings hit to start this game. The Kings and the Grizzlies combined for 80 points. In the first quarter, the Kings shot 12 of 13 from three-point range in that quarter, tying the NBA record for threes in a quarter. I mean, Sacramento could not miss. It started with Harrison Barnes, who hit three straight threes to open up this game. It was like a 9-3 to three or 9-4 to four start. The Memphis Grizzlies called timeout. Coming out of that timeout, Harrison Barnes hit another three. Keegan Murray hit a few threes. Like, it, at first... I think the Kings started like six of six or seven or seven from seven from three-point range. And it was all Keegan Murray and uh, Harrison Barnes. And then Trey Lyles came in, got involved. Davion Mitchell hit one. Malik Monk hit one. It was just raining three-pointers for the Sacramento Kings to start this game. A 47 to 33 first quarter for the Kings. The ball movement was crisp. Of course, shots were falling, and you could tell Harrison Barnes was on a heater. And we're going to talk about Harrison Barnes specifically, and you're going to hear an amazing soundbite from Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown about Harrison Barnes later on in the show. But Harrison was on a heater in this game right out of the gate. He hit his first three threes, I think his fourth three-pointer. He was It wasn't like off the catch and shoot or anything like that. He was holding the ball. Defender gave him a little too much space, and he just pulled up and drained. It. it was that kind of night for HB and the Sacramento Kings fed off of that energy. But here's the thing. That offense isn't sustainable. That shooting isn't sustainable. You're not going to be able to sustain 12 of 13 uh, from three-point range for the entire game. Like you're not, That's not sustainable. You're not going to shoot 93 or whatever percent it is from three. And the Memphis Grizzlies did a great job managing to keep the game semi-close. I mean, they were down double digits, down by 14 points at the end of that first quarter. But quickly in the second quarter, they got within like eight or seven points. Memphis did not allow themselves, shorthanded by the way, no John Morant, no Steven Adams, and as we saw with the, the Philadelphia 76ers, sometimes that spells bad news for the Sacramento Kings when teams are missing some of their best players, but Sacramento was able to overcome that tonight. But the Grizzlies did a good job hanging around. The fact that the Kings shot that great from three-point range, 90% hitting 12 threes in the first quarter, and really only had a, a, a 12, 13, 14-point lead at the most to show for it, 
That was a little concerning. I think actually the lead got up to 16 points before Memphis quickly erased that. So that was concerning for a lot of Kings media members, and I know it was concerning for a lot of Kings fans. I saw the conversation on Twitter while that was going on. If the Kings were shooting that well, you would think they would be up by 20-plus, and it would be that explosion of a first quarter. Now, maintaining that 20-plus lead for three more quarters, that's still a lot of work to do. But for the Kings to have shot that well and to only be up by... 14, 16 points quickly down to single digits at the start of the second quarter. It was like, uh-oh, you know the Kings are in a little bit of trouble because they were lights out offensively, but they weren't stopping anybody defensively, which is something that's been pretty common to this team so far this season. And again, you knew that shooting was not sustainable. Honestly, with the exception of that tremendous shooting, I think that fooled a lot of Kings fans a little bit because some were saying the Kings were having the game of their lives and Memphis was sticking around and at times leading in this game. My response to that was the Kings were shooting lights out in the first quarter, but that was masking a lot of the same mistakes, inabilities, especially on the defensive end of the floor, and the Kings were honestly struggling to attack and score around the paint, which is where the Memphis Grizzlies are so good defensively. The Grizzlies won the second quarter 28-19. to So Sacramento goes from unstoppable offensively, can't miss a three-point shot to shooting one of nine from three in the second quarter, and I'm telling you, it was the most predictable thing on the planet. Like, I knew it. As soon as the Kings had that good of a first quarter, you knew they were going to calm down and, and, and cool down a little bit. And the Memphis Grizzlies picked up the physicality, trusted that Sacramento was not going to be able uh, to hit that many threes, did a good job closing out on shooters. However, they stuck to their game plan of securing the paint and not allowing Sacramento, in particular De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, to really get going in the mid-range range and are on the block uh, like they do so well. So it's starting to get deja vu vibes from Saturday's loss to the uh, uh, to the, the 76ers. The Kings allow the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies back in. The game is close at halftime and then third quarter starts and the Memphis Grizzlies come out of the, the gates uh, like with a 7-2 run or something like that to start the third quarter. They tie the game up, actually end up taking a lead, and it's like, okay, here we go. Like deja vu, here we go again. Shorthanded team coming into Sacramento, surviving the storm. Because remember, the Kings got off to a really good start offensively, built a 21-point lead against the uh, Philadelphia 76ers this past weekend, and they lost that game. So boy, was it deja vu. We were feeling the exact same thing. And then... Both teams battled back and forth. The game was tied at 77. It's a very important uh, marker. It's like seven minutes and like 30-something seconds left, or maybe 50-something seconds. I don't have the exact time written down in front of me, but the game's tied at 77. Looking like we're setting up for a pretty close finish, back-and-forth game uh, for the remainder of this game, and Sacramento's trying to reestablish themselves and get their offense going a little bit better uh, after that, that struggle in the second quarter. From that point on, the Kings outscored the Memphis Grizzlies 56 to 23. Game was tied at 77. I don't know what Mike Brown said. I don't know what any of these players did. Well, actually, I can point you specifically what I believe turned the game around. But suddenly the Kings exploded and completely took over this game. And look, the Memphis Grizzlies, they lead the league in, in defensive rating. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. I believe they're top three in points per game allowed. Memphis is a great defensive team. Sacramento for the final let's say 15, 16, 17 minutes of this game, was carving them up like a Thanksgiving turkey. They could not stop anybody. The Kings were getting the ball wherever they wanted, and it wasn't just hitting threes, although the three-point shot did wake up a little bit more in the third and fourth quarters. They were getting to the basket. They were getting out in transition, and it started, one, on the defensive end of the floor, but truly it started with the Sacramento Kings' second unit. 
And I'm not just meaning because De'Aaron Fox is usually a part of the second unit or at times DeMontis Sabonis is part of the second unit. Specifically, it was Trey Lyles, Malik Monk, and Rashawn Holmes that I thought came into this game and turned things around. And the Kings bench has been struggling as of late, but when you go back to the seven-game win streak that the Kings had early on in the season, consistently you look at the bench output, that's when Malik Monk was playing out of his mind, Trey Lyles was playing pretty well, Chemezi Metu uh, was carving out his role. Chemezi Metu, by the way, I think the uh, after he hurt his leg and it was a little bit of a scary moment uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, he ended up getting a uh, just having like bone bruises or something like that seems to be fine did not play in tonight's game uh, Rashawn Holmes played but Chemezi Metu's good so that's great news um, but the, this Kings bench got back to how good they can be and it really started on the defensive end of the floor but check out this fourth quarter right the Kings held the Memphis Grizzlies to just 10 points in the fourth quarter now about midway through the fourth quarter when the Kings really blew this game open Memphis took out what was left of their starting lineup and put in basically their bench unit. They waved the white flag pretty quickly in this game, and, and Sacramento followed suit uh, not too far after that. We got to see Matthew Dellavedova. We got to see Terrence Davis. We get to see uh, uh, um, the, the rest of that end of the Kings bench, which anytime Matthew Dellavedova is in the game, typically it means the Sacramento Kings are lighting the beam, uh, which is always fun. But defensively, check out this, this fourth quarter for the Kings. They held the Grizzlies to 2 of 19 shooting from the field, 0 of 7 from three-point range, and turn, they, they forced 10 turnovers from Memphis in the fourth quarter. The Kings had eight steals and three blocks in the fourth quarter, and I'm telling you, the majority of them were from Rashawn Holmes, Trey Lyles, and the Sacramento Kings bench. Also, De'Aaron Fox did a really good job. De'Aaron Fox actually won the defensive player of the game chain for, I think, the first time this season because of his deflections and because of his steals. We'll talk about his game uh, in a, a little bit. The Kings turned the ball over, or rather forced 15 turnovers from Memphis. They turned the, themselves, they turned the ball over actually way more than that. Turnovers were a big problem for the Kings early on, but they overcame that. And on those 15 turnovers, the Kings scored 30 points. Again, a lot of those came in the fourth quarter. A lot of those came in the second half. But that is a marvelous number to score 30 points off of Memphis's turnovers. That's what points to a 133 to 100 victory. Which, by the way, defensively, the Kings. Anytime the Kings hold a team to 100 points, this team better damn well be winning. We might as well throw a parade through Doko when the Sacramento Kings defensively are able to do that. And again, it was Trey Lyles and the Kings bench. Trey Lyles' stat line tonight is just nuts: 24 points, 8 of 11 shooting from the field, 6 of 8 from three-point range. Seven rebounds, two steals, three blocks. That is your seventh or eighth man in the rotation doing that. Now, if you've listened and watched Locked on Kings over the last handful of weeks, you know how big of a Trey Lyles fan I've become. And just a friendly reminder, Trey Lyles was a throw-in of the Marvin Bagley trade. A, I think, three- or four-team trade where Monty McNair managed to turn Marvin Bagley into Trey Lyles, who is still here and is one of the most important pieces of the Kings' second unit, and Dante DiVincenzo, who, I mean, didn't really work out. But somehow, the Kings turned Marvin Bagley into two more productive and consistent players. I don't know how in the world he did that. Just another reason why he deserves a contract extension, and Monty McNair should be the general manager for the Sacramento Kings for decades to come, hopefully. Trey was phenomenal, and then Malik Monk. 
Like, we've been asking for more from Malik. Malik had a really good first half against the 76ers, scoring nine points in the first half, then didn't score for the remainder of the game. Malik's been struggling. His shooting percentages are not what we expect. But in this game, he scored uh, 13 points, but also grabbed nine rebounds and had eight assists. And you can see at the end of the game before he was taken out, he was really trying to get that triple-double. But anytime you get that production from Malik off the bench, that's huge. And then Rashawn Holmes. If you were to look at the box score and see Rashawn's numbers, you're like, okay, he scored like five points. He what uh, he had a couple uh, like a few rebounds and uh, uh, a couple steals. Rashawn was huge defensively, and he played extended minutes. In the third and fourth quarters, Rashawn Holmes really defensively stepped up and started and sparked that Sacramento Kings push. 100%. I don't care. The, like That goes to show you that box scores don't tell the full story. If you watched Rashawn Holmes play tonight, Rashawn was instrumental in the success that the Kings had. A lot of credit is going to go to Trey Lyles and Malik Monk, and rightfully so, but Rashawn Holmes was just as instrumental of a part of that push in that second unit as those other two guys were, especially with the defensive fourth quarter that the Sacramento Kings were able to put together. He absolutely deserves that kind of recognition and that kind of credit. Consistency with this second unit has been something that we've talked a lot about recently. So I asked Mike Brown, it seems to be very feast or famine with this Kings second unit. When one is on, they seem to all be on and they can explode and the Kings look unstoppable. And then they can all struggle at the same time and it's all on the starters to figure it out. So Mike Brown shared with me how defense is going to be the foundation of the consistent success for the Sacramento Kings. It's on the defensive side of the ball with that second unit that they can be and achieve the consistency that the Sacramento Kings need. Take a listen. Mike, it seems like with the bench, the they get going as a group. It's not just one individual or two individuals. And then also when they struggle, they struggle as a group. How difficult is it to, over the course of a season, develop that middle ground, that consistency where you can know what you're relying on every single night? The one thing that I feel that group can do <clears throat> is they can defend. Because we're pretty athletic. We're pretty quick. Um, we have some length now. You know, obviously, Foxy's pretty long for a point guard. Malik and Foxy combined may not be the longest one, two in the league, but their quickness and their athleticism should be pretty good defensively. And then you talk about whether it's HB or KZ or Trey or Mezzi or Rashawn. Those are some long athletic guys. So the one thing that that group has to understand, it can't just be about the offense. Sometimes even if we don't score, even if we score, you know, eight to ten points, as long as we're defending and playing the right way offensively, we'll be fine, which I think that group is more than capable of doing. We just have to get, like you said, a little bit of consistently consistency with our defense, and our defense is going to lead into offense for us because that group is so fast getting down the floor and they put so much pressure on you getting into the paint and you got shooters all over the place. So uh, it, it's it's about us being consistent with that group on the defense end, defensive side of the ball first, which will have carryover to help us get out and run and utilize our speed and ability to shoot the ball and score easier on the offense second. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. To me, Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy NBA and really daily fantasy sports. I'm going to tell you how many different sports and games and, and sporting events that Prize Picks is a part of. But the way Prize Picks works, you pick two to six players and the over or the under on their scoring projections. So say, for example, tonight, De'Aaron Fox's projections for scoring were 21 and a half points. Well, if you pick the under on 
that, but you picked the over on Trey Lyles uh, over under for scoring, then you're going to make some money. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And that's what's great. It's not just the projections for the stars. They have bench players. So if you feel like there's a good matchup for Malik Monk off the bench or uh, Chemezi Metu or Rashawn Holmes, you will get projections for that and you can make money off of your deep knowledge of the entire Sacramento Kings roster. Plus, it's not just for the Sacramento Kings. You can have every game for the NBA, the NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. And check this out. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. So when you win money, you will actually get that money quickly. It's currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up to play daily fantasy sports today and when you do use promo code locked on you'll get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 meaning you deposit 100 you get 100 you deposit 50 you get 50 it's free money for you to make money on prize picks Harrison Barnes. I already talked about the great start that he got off to really establishing that ridiculous three-point shooting first quarter for the Kings. Harrison cooled off after that first quarter, only finished with 20 points, and I say only because of how many points. I think he had like 15 or something at the end of the first quarter. He was just ridiculous. But finished shooting six of nine from three-point range. Harrison passed Francisco Garcia, Cisco, one of my favorite Kings from a terrible era of Kings basketball. I would love to get Francisco Garcia on the podcast, by the way. I have to find a way to get in contact with Francisco or see what he's doing because he would be an amazing podcast guest. Uh, but he, uh, Harrison Barnes passed Cisco for fifth all-time in three-pointers. The number uh, to pass Cisco was 479. He did that in the first quarter. You already heard from Harrison Barnes, or rather Mike Brown. You're going to hear from Mike Brown again. Mike Brown is asked about Harrison and what he brings to the table. And the first words out of Mike Brown's mouth are? HB is he's irreplaceable from the standpoint that he brings a, a calming presence to us no matter what the situation is. Uh, we, you know, our, our two uh, all-stars, Foxy and Domas, uh, are learning how to, to, to lead. And they haven't necessarily been in huge pressure moments in the NBA and come out on top. HB has. And so his his calmness, his presence in a tight ball game uh, is extremely helpful for young guys, not just short-term but long-term too because they're watching an NBA champion um, go through uh, a one-possession game and two minutes to go, we just had two turnovers. How is he reacting? Is he here? Is he here? You know, you know, what's he doing on the floor? How is he getting a great look at the end of a ball game? All these little things that he does helps our group grow and mature because that's what he is. He, he not that we, not that the rest of the guys aren't grownups, but he is the grownup of the grownup. On our, of all the grown-ups on our team. And so there's a lot on the floor and off the floor <clears throat> that he does that, that our younger guys j just continue to sit back and watch and learn 
and grow the right way. So he he has to be around just with his mere presence alone. And then on top of that, he can play. We can play through him if we need to. We can throw him on this guy. We can throw him on that guy. We can throw him on a seven-footer. We can throw him on a guy 6'6". So his versatility, obviously, is huge for us defensively as well. There's so much great stuff in there that Mike said. But let's start and end with this. Harrison Barnes is irreplaceable. 100 and 10 percent that's what i'm telling you and what i've said many times here on locked on kings over the course of this season harrison barnes is very very risky to trade away more risky than it is to take him into the offseason without a contract extension and risk losing him in free agency harrison barnes is essential to the success of the sacramento kings essential and what he does, the consistency he brings. Mike Brown broke it all down there. I don't need to repeat what Mike said. And, of course, Mike knows a whole hell of a lot more about the game of basketball than I do. But Harrison is so consistent. He's such a rock of this Sacramento Kings lineup. Not to mention his, his streak continues of, I think, <coughs> excuse me, one game over the last two months that he scored less than 10 points, so less, uh, in single digits point-wise. You can pencil double digits in for Harrison Barnes every single night from your starting wing, your fourth option offensively, and then he can have nights like tonight where he explodes, and he's been on an absolute tear in all of January, shooting over 50% from three-point range in January. Why would you want to replace that? Why? What can you find realistically that will replace that? It's not the right choice for Monty McNair to make. I think Monty would be really foolish to trade Harrison away. Of course, if a absolute can't miss trade shows up where you're getting a super super superstar and Harrison is part of that package you know of course you have to think about that and consider that and Harrison is by no ways untouchable but you're not getting the deal that I would be interested in or I don't think realistically the Kings are getting the deal that I would be interested in moving Harrison Barnes for plus I think moving Harrison Barnes would be a mistake and have a significant effect on the Kings locker room I've talked about that before don't need to go into that again let's talk about De'Aaron Fox offensively Ho-hum game for De'Aaron, right? 17 points, 7 of 14 shooting from the field, 50% field goal range, uh, uh, shooting from the field is, is fine. 10 assists, solid. Double-double for De'Aaron Fox. You take that every game of the week. Also, four steals. Awesome. When you're getting that kind of uh, defensive production out of De'Aaron, again, he won the defensive player of the game chain, uh, and his deflections, in addition to his steals, were fantastic. That's why he won the award. He also turned the ball over, and this is... I think worth pointing out, and it's not just him, DeMontis Sabonis had a terrible day taking care of the basketball, but De'Aaron Fox turned the ball over six times. Sabonis, I think, turned the ball over eight times. So for you to get 14 combined turnovers out of your two best players and to still win by 33 points, I don't, I don't think the Kings can rely on that necessarily. And De'Aaron knows the mistakes that he made taking care of the basketball. Four of those turnovers were in the first quarter. DeMontis Sabonis made way too many mistakes, especially when this game was close. But here's the thing. The fact that Fox and Sabonis can combine for just 31 points and the Kings win by 33. For them to score just 31 points and for the rest of the team to score 102. Yeah, you better believe that Monty McNair has done a phenomenal job with the supporting cast of this Kings team when those two guys can, it's not necessarily a night off because they did great things outside of scoring the basketball, which the Kings need from them consistently. But to get that kind of production from the rest of the team and not have to rely so heavily on Fox and on Sabonis like this team has had to do a lot of times so far this season. I mean, that's a tremendous win. And also, I'm not going to play the soundbite for you because you've already heard enough of Mike Brown today. Uh, but if you want to go and listen to it, just look up Mike Brown's post-game press conference because Mike shared some stuff about De'Aaron Fox that I thought was really cool. 
De'Aaron Fox's leadership has been a topic of conversation, at least on Locked on Kings, for the past handful of seasons. And people have looked to Fox to be kind of that fiery leader, and he's never really been that, like, the kind of leader that, like, yells and, and screams or anything like that. And, and we've been not necessarily asking for that sign of leadership or side of leadership, but and De'Aaron has spoken about how he's been trying to grow as a leader year after year after year. Well, De'Aaron has definitely stepped up in terms of communication, whether it's with the referees, with fans, or myself on social media, or with uh, um, his teammates. Like, And it's not always negative. It's very positive, and the camera catches him a ton of times leading this team. Well, Mike Brown shared with us tonight that at one point, De'Aaron Fox and the Kings were in a timeout. He didn't specify which one or what the score was, but the Kings were in a timeout, and they're in the huddle together. And Mike turns to De'Aaron and says, okay, De'Aaron, what do you want to do? And De'Aaron took over the huddle, started calling plays, telling players what they needed to do, speaking the language that Mike Brown and his assistant coaches have been trying to implement. And I talked to Mike a little bit about that before the game. In his pregame press conference, I asked him about the coaches getting to a point where the lessons and the communication and the, the, the verbiage that they are using is starting to be used by the Kings' leadership. And he talked about how Fox and Sabonis are young and still growing as leaders, but how rewarding that is to see that. And then the fact that he got that tonight from his star in the huddle, I think that that's very worth pointing out. I think that's very significant and exciting to get that kind of uh, leadership from De'Aaron Fox, uh, and he deserves a ton of praise for that. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by a new and exciting sponsor. I've used them for a long, long time and enjoyed playing on them for a long, long time. I'm talking about FanDuel. FanDuel, welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network. The NFL playoffs are here, the Super Bowl right around the corner. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're number one sports book in America. It's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features to make betting on sports fun and easy new customers if you join today and get started you'll get 150 dollars in free bets guaranteed when you place your first five dollar bet just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel has all your favorite bets uh, and from the money line to point spreads to player props and more plus you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay which is how truth be told i've made most of my money on all uh, the app is safe it's secure it's super easy to use, plus you'll get your money quickly. So football fans, don't miss out. Of course, basketball fans, you can bet as well. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Here we are nearly at the end of the podcast, and we haven't mentioned DeMontis Sabonis' triple-double yet. Honestly, this was not a good game for Sabonis, I thought. It wasn't good. He struggled. The Memphis Grizzlies did a good job against him, even with Steven Adams absent, and also got him into a little bit of foul trouble. Thank goodness Steven Adams wasn't playing, because maybe this would have been a big, stif- or a lot different of a story, especially on the glass. But Sabonis still finished with 14 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. It's his sixth triple-double of the season. I think he's third in the NBA in triple-doubles. He's got a big gap between second and first, which is Nikola Jokic, I think, is first, and Luka Doncic is second. Uh, but he's still third in the NBA, which is awesome. And this ties the sack era record for triple doubles in a single season. I believe that's held by DeMarcus Cousins, but don't fully quote me on that. Uh, The Kings overall uh, record, going back to their time as the Royals, uh, Oscar Robinson with uh, 41. So maybe Sabonis doesn't have to worry about that. But sack era, 
That's what's important to us, right? Sack era, he has now tied the record, and you best believe he's going to break the record here very shortly. I think he's had three triple-doubles in his last five games, and almost four out of the last five, he missed it by one rebound uh, in the loss to Philadelphia the other night. So Sabonis continues to play really, really well, uh, and I'm excited to see if he can continue that on Wednesday in another home game against the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors were a, a team that we spent a lot of time talking about as uh, potential trade partners for the Sacramento Kings. I did a, a podcast with Sean Woodley, host of Locked On Raptors, and talked about a potential OG and an OB trade to the Sacramento Kings and what kind of assets they have and what the Raptors would want from the Kings and potential deals. Go and check that out. And I'm doing something similar with the Locked On Wizards podcast tomorrow. Now, Rui Hachimura was just traded from the Wizards to the Los Angeles Lakers for like Kendrick Nunn and a second round pick or something. Just chump change. I'm surprised uh, the Lakers got Hachimura for so cheap. So maybe you wanted Hachimura. He's now off the board. But there are other pieces, including Kyle Kuzma, that maybe the Sacramento Kings might be interested in. What kind of package would it take to get Kuzma? Although, reportedly, the Wizards are saying that Kuzma is not available. I have a hard time believing that. I think they're just trying to drive up that price a little bit. But we'll talk to the Locked On Wizards uh, about that and figure that out a little bit more, see what they think about the trade pieces that the Sacramento Kings have to offer. Uh, so I hope you will join me for that. Plus, the plan as of now is to do the first ever live Locked On Kings podcast on Friday. So still don't know what time I'm going to be doing that, probably late afternoon or maybe in the late morning or something like that. I have no idea when I'm going to do it. I'm trying to figure that out. But I would love to do a live Locked on Kings podcast. Uh, and if you would uh, join me for that, I would love that. It would be amazing to interact with you live, answer your questions, talk Kings basketball with you. Audio listeners, uh, it'll, it'll be pretty much live for, for video, but I'll release the podcast later as if it was a normal podcast. So I'm giving it a try. Never done it before. A lot of our great podcasts here in Sacramento do it. They seem to have a lot of fun with it. So I thought I'd give it a try. Plus, a lot of you have been asking for it. So I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, so I hope you will join me on Friday. The plan is on Friday for that. Appreciate your support so, so much. Let's see if the Kings can build another winning streak starting on Wednesday against the Raptors. Join me tomorrow for my uh, conversation with Lockdown Wizards as a potential trade partner and let me know other King or NBA teams that you'd like me to talk to about potential uh, trades. That would be really exciting. Plus, I'm working on a big guest later on this week uh, for Lockdown Kings, so hopefully uh, I'm able to figure that out on Thursday's episode. I'll tell you more about that later on in the week. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Lockdown Kings podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.